Well, glory to God and hallelujah. We're in the house of the Lord on the Lord's day. I, I was just reminded that we're on live stream, so welcome to all of those that are out there. That means I have to be careful. I don't call any names here or anything. That The blessing of the Lord be upon you. I bless you in the name of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. What then does he do with our sorrow? It's an amazing thing that he's able to do it. That by the great alchemy of his grace, he can turn our sorrow into joy. Our mourning into dancing, our weeping into laughter. I truly am caught between two messages because of this. That in the night I was troubled by the Spirit of the Lord in a wonderful way. And I feel that I need to release the word that I felt he was working in me. And then we'll see which way I go. I don't, I've never come to the podium with a computer. I just had to ask Tess to bring it because I couldn't see on my page here in the dark. And it's a word for the house. It's a word for the building. Or every inch of this building. The purpose of the building. It's a word for the people. It's a word for the pastors. That this is to be a house of the working of the miracles of redemption. of restoration, of more than rehabilitation. It's not something that a program can do. It's not something that simple counsel can do. It's not something that any human being can do. to get people redeemed out of rebellion, out of a renegade state, out of a runaway condition, running in the wrong direction, running after the wrong things. It's more than getting them restored to constancy of life, consistency, dependability, Freedom, it's more than bringing them to an apology for what they have done wrong. It is reconciliation to their creator. 
that will result in reconciliation with people. It will result in life change. It will result in new lifestyle. But it will not be through program from the ground up. It will be from the highest level of encounters with a living God introduced by a people who truly worship, who truly know the God of miracles, who truly know that a life can be changed, can be renewed, can be made new as it never was before. It isn't returning to who you were. It's becoming who you will be when you have met your Redeemer. It's such transformation. And I am undone, if you can't tell it. I am undone with the sense that this will happen in this place. If there are a people who don't think we can build a church that'll make it happen. The people aren't coming to a church. They're coming to a redeemer. They're not coming to a music style. They're coming to a true worship. They're not coming to hear a preacher. They're coming to meet the prophet that Moses said he's greater than I am. And whoever hears him will have to listen. That they're coming to the Jesus, not just of Galilee, but the Jesus that is revealed in the book of Revelation, who is standing forth in the midst of the churches. And there is fire in his eyes. And there's a sword coming forth from his lips. And there is glory around him, the living Christ. And so your worship here this morning is calling for him. Put his name into more songs. Say the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Everybody just say it. Close your eyes. Look up. Join me in this right now. And invite him to stand forth in this place even this morning. Jesus. 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 The living Christ. The Christ of God. The Son of God. The Redeemer of mankind the changer of hearts, the renewer of life, who is the resurrection and the life, who can bring forth life out of death and conquering de death. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm here. I'm here in a broken state. I'm here undone. I'm here, but I'm here to be your instrument. Will you speak to us today? Will you help me through this attempt to share what I've been experiencing for the last few hours? And I thank you for the privilege of being in this place again. And I declare that there shall be so many transformations of people who come into this place and meet the presence of a living God, meet hope, Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Somebody find me tissues. Please. They'll come from all sides now. Let's leave them here. Thank you. That one's empty. <laughs> and I'm just dignified enough to not be embarrassed to weep in public. I'm going to ask you to turn to Isaiah 30. It'll be the end of 29 and chapter 30 of Isaiah. I'm re really a series teacher, so I have to do my series in one message here for you. <clears throat> but because of this thing that happened to me in the night where I wanted to talk to you and, I, and I, uh, I'll reference the miracle working God who can turn things around. But there's no greater miracle that can happen than the redemption of a rebel. And I, I, I feel as though God wants to make this place, this physical place, this building, and the people of this company, the people themselves, to be a post for rebels to come to when they don't know where to go. I'm seeing things in the spirit that I can't, I can't describe to you. But it might be on your job, might be in an office, you might be a school teacher with a rebel in your class. I've taught school since 1962. I know how it works. You can be the post that a rebel comes to when he or she doesn't know where to turn. It could be when you're in a grocery store. Could happen anywhere. But because you are the church, and because you're under this prophetic word, it means you can be the connection point. You. Yes, you can be the connection point for a rebel who finally comes to the end of himself. So the end of chapter 29, leading into chapter 30, is a promise, verse 24 of 29 of Isaiah. They also that Erred, E-R-R, -R, 
as an error. Erred in spirit, but the word erred here, E-R-R-E-D, is not just that there was a mistake. It's a process that begins with wandering. It may begin with a mistake, but it becomes an intentional striding away from truth and continuing to go in a bad way, even after understanding this isn't the right way to go. There's a, there's a second stage in it. And so I'll stand in the same spot as a man who said, it's all about being an intentional thing today. Because in the life of a rebel, there comes a point at which even mistakes become intentional sins. Even when somebody has influenced, taught them to sin. And the Bible talks about fathers who teach their children to sin. And in all my years of counseling, I've dealt with it. Where a father would take his child to a store and teach the child how to shoplift. And I get the opportunity to deal with that in ultimate expression. Our father's a father who takes a four-year-old child to the bar and gives him sips of alcohol. And the son becomes not just an alcoholic, or the daughter in one case, not just an alcoholic, but all the, all the decorations of that in lifestyle. So erring can begin with just wandering like a sheep. It's the iniquity nature of a sheep to wander. If the shepherd isn't right there and doesn't have his crook and his staff, or sometimes just pick the little lamb up and put him on his shoulder and say, I'm going to make sure you walk in the right direction. I'm going to carry you. That's why shepherds are so important. It's why pastors must be more than administrators of a church. Pastor means shepherd. But there are those who come to a place where they don't want you to tell them, and that's the story in this chapter. But the promise here, before the chapter division, which translators put in, and I don't know why translators divide some places, so you always want to read what comes before and what leads in, what goes out of there. They also that erred in spirit shall come to what? Understanding. Because in the same way that your toddler doesn't understand when he's running away from you toward the traffic, that it's dangerous. He's playing with you. But it's rebellion starting in his life. And he doesn't understand. But they that err in spirit, it's a spiritual error, shall 
come to understanding. Will you say it with me? They that erred in spirit, what? Shall come to understanding. Now that's what's in the heart of this prophetic word that I'm bringing to you. I know they've asked me to stay and do ministry, personal ministry, and I, I can do personal prophetic ministry, but I'm here today with a word to the church. Will you take it personally? Will you take it for your family? Will you take it for your neighbors? Will you take it for the people that you have touched? They shall come to understanding. And they that murmured, King James says, but the real word is rebelled. You know, when Moses had to deal with murmurs, what was he dealing with? Basically what? Rebellion. They that murmured, they that rebelled, shall learn doctrine. Now, doctrine isn't just the theology. Doctrine is teaching. The word doctrine is from the Latin word docaio. Perfect participle, doctus. Doctor means one who teaches. It means that a rebel has to come to a place where he wants to learn a right way. To learn, he must be taught. To learn from a teacher, again, I'm, I got a lot of experience from 1962 till now. They can sit in the classroom and not learn one thing because they don't want to learn and they don't want to listen and they don't want to take notes and they don't want it to make a difference in their lives. Sitting in a classroom doesn't make you a student. Only somebody who is saying, I want to learn, is going to listen, unless you turn up the volume and they can't resist it, but they can still plug their ears in the heart. So now is a cry of God after his own people. And I'm going to give you three stages of rebellion. I'll put this up where I can see the note. If it'll last, maybe. I don't even know if I have life in the computer. But I want to show you that this chapter is divided between rebellion and redemption. And the turning point to turn to redemption and my premise is so strong here that there is no hopeless case in Jesus that one can never go so far away from him intentionally that he cannot intentionally encounter them when they are at the end of their way. When they're waking up from an overdose, when they're checked into a prison, or any other circumstance. No matter how far they have gone, there is not one soul who is beyond the reach of grace. Do you believe that? And so there's a turning point. Not, I don't know whether it's exactly the middle of the chapter. I have to look. 
it's just about it. The turning point is when they have come to the end of themselves. And it's verse 17. Uh, I'll, do verse, I'll do verse 16. But you said, no. All right, how many, how many know the favorite word of a two-year-old? What is it? Simple answer. No. You said no. Said no to what? At the end of verse 15, for thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning, turn around, come back. And then rest, stop, just stop. Shall you be saved in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And this is the turning point. And you would not. But you said, all right, and everybody say it the way a rebel says it, okay? No. Or however you did when you were a rebel. And so back to a two-year-old, it's why parents have such a responsibility to train the spirit of a child to obey, to turn around and come back when mommy says, come back, come now. But the nature of a playful two-year-old will be to keep on running, right? Not yours, but other people's children. You've seen them do it. But you said, no, for we will flee. All right, what's another word for flee? Run away. Run away from. Run the other direction. Go the other way. For we will flee upon horses. So we're going to find vehicles to facilitate our flight. And therefore shall you flee. And you say, we will ride upon the swift. And therefore, those who pursue you, those who chase you, who might be police, or it might be another gang, or it might be drug dealers, they'll be faster than you are. They also will be swift. A thousand shall flee at the rebuke of one, but at the rebuke of five shall you flee. From five different directions, someone will be coming after you. Hopefully some of, the, some of them will be chasing you to save you, to rescue you, to surround you and guard you and put up a resistance and an appeal against those that are coming after you to capture you and take you into captivity or hurt you or destroy you. This is, this is, this is so real to me. My beautiful student I'll call him Pete. 
one of my best singers in my choir, one of my favorite rascals. Always had a light in his eye that was a glimmer of mischief. But he loved me. Started coming late to chorus. I started seeing things and hearing things. I called him into my little office. I was in a portable classroom. We made a choral room out of a portable, portable classroom. Had a restroom in it that became my office, very appropriate. So, uh, Pete, is that his name? Pete. I'm concerned. What, Missy? What? I said, I'm concerned. You're coming late. I hear that you've started doing marijuana. I hear while your parents are away this weekend, you're at a party at their home. Do they know that? Wow. Oh. I said, I'm concerned. I can feel it now. This kid, teenage kid, put his arm around my shoulders and drew me to him like a father drawing a daughter drew me to him, and he said, Missy, don't worry about me. I know what I'm doing. I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay, Missy, don't worry, okay? Comforting me. When I stood at the casket, with his mother, both of us weeping. Two bullet holes in the back of his head. Mafia death. Don't worry about me. This is so real. Here's the turning point in the story. You'll be left as a beacon upon the top of a mountain and as a flagpole on the top of a hill, standing alone, but not fully alone. Verse 18. And therefore, will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you? Say this with me. Grace at the end of the way. But there's something about it that a rebel must come to an end where he makes choice because 
others may choose and others may desire and others may work and others may do everything possible, but until one is willing to change a no to a yes to salvation, everyone else is on duty. And even the Lord sits still. Therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you, for the Lord is a God of judgment, and blessed are all they that wait for him. Who's doing the waiting? Well, if you won't wait for him, he'll wait for you, but it's grace at the end of the way. Now I want you to receive from my spirit today the conviction that I have that God wants to put a waiting spirit upon this people to wait with the Lord for grace at the end of the way and that we learn how to walk with people as far as they will let us walk and believe that it won't come to that kind of ending that I just gave you. In my, one of my favorite rascals. Throughout this chapter, there's a pattern. Before that verse that I just gave you, the turning point, there are three stages of rebellion. And then after that, there are three stages of redemption. I'm going to try to give you the three stages of rebellion. It starts in verse 1. In verse 1 is that sad and sorrowful thing that there's a wrong source of counsel and a wrong source of covering. It may be because there is no counselor in the life who knows anything of the ways of God. Or it may be because the one who is on the path of rebellion is refusing godly counsel because God is the one who's talking here saying, woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord. That's Jehovah, the covenant God of Israel. And he's talking about the nation of Israel. So everything that I'm saying can apply to America, can apply to our nation. And do note, do note this scripturally, that God very often judges the nation according to the direction of the leaders. The leaders are responsible for taking their people in a certain direction why we must pray for our leaders. But then it comes to the people, follow that. So woe to the rebellious children, saith the covenant God of Israel, Jehovah. They take counsel, but not from me, God speaking. I was listening to something, hearing something of what needs to be done about the situations today, about what's happening in our cities and everything. And I thought, 
I don't know the last time that I heard anyone in the news or in leadership or in speeches say, we need almighty God to work in our nation. God was removed from office. His name was taken away. And until somebody calls the name of God in prayer and inviting him, programs, more money, all the things that men, education surely isn't doing, is, is which way is education taking us? They take counsel, but not of me. Say it with me. They take counsel, but not of me. They cover with a covering, but not of my spirit. Why? That they may add sin to sin. Even those things are sin. And then what we find from this there's a pattern of that's the problem, then you get next the result, and then you get God's reproof. So the next thing is the therefore, say therefore. My teacher, Brother Bob Mumford, taught us, when you see a therefore, see what it's there for, because it's there for a reason. Therefore is a summary or a conclusion that comes out of what has just been stated. Those of you who took geometry, this is true. If this be true and this be true, ergo. Three dots, remember the triangle? Therefore, this is true. A therefore is, is figured from what goes before. Therefore, so this is the result. Shall the strength of Pharaoh, they're, they're running to go down, excuse me. They walk to go down into Egypt. They've not asked at my mouth, but they want to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh, trust in the shadow of Egypt. And you know that Egypt re represents the world and the worldly way. Therefore, shall the strength of Pharaoh be to your shame. Now, there are just a whole bunch of words I've got outlined on the page. I won't read all the verses. Just hear the words. Shame, confusion, ashamed. The people could not profit them. There's no profit. They cannot be a help. There's no profit, but a shame, a reproach, burden, trouble, anguish. There's a young and old lion, so the old lion and the young lion, both are coming after you. There's the viper, there's the fiery flying serpent. This is destruction and poison and consumption. And then they will carry their own riches Upon the shoulders of young donkeys, they'll take their treasures, all things that are valuable, and they will sacrifice them to a people that will never profit them. Going to a wrong destination, seeking something that will profit, and instead trading off everything valuable in life. And if I gave you an opportunity to say things out loud, if you've ever watched anybody do it, you know it starts with everything spiritual that God would have put in their lives, and then it comes to family, and it becomes, and then, and then, and then, until they lose everything all, all the way down to their lives. Am I making it too serious? 
Am I exaggerating? Are you receiving? Do you believe that God can make this house more than ever before a house of redemption? A house to which people come and even flee in this direction because somebody said, go to Praise Fellowship, they'll help you. And you'll do more than hand them a meal and a dollar that you'll give them redemption. So that's, that's the first. So the result is it comes to there's no prophet. So now come on down to verse 7. For the Egyptians or the world shall help in vain and to no purpose. See, I'm so taken up with purpose. I had a happier message for you that I wanted to do. But I'm so taken up with purpose. Purpose is what God, the greater eternal purpose of God, is what God has in his heart to have accomplished for you, in you, with you, and through you by the end of your life on this earth. That's the greater eternal purpose of God for you. Anything the world will do for you is going to cut that purpose short and bring you to have no purpose. I just heard it a few days ago. I have no purpose in my life. What am I living for? Now there's another therefore. The first therefore is the result of the direction the rebel has gone. The second therefore is God's reproof, God's cry. God's invitation, God's counsel, even at that stage. And so you'll find the therefore in the middle of verse 7. Therefore have I cried. This is God himself. It's not Isaiah. It's God crying. Therefore have I cried concerning this. Their strength is to sit still. Just sit still. Just stop running. Just stop going that way. Stop. Stay. And of course he means, come and sit here. But you know, when you get people crazed with drugs, the last thing they can do is sit still until they can't move. Running after more, running after more. Nervous. Bodies flailing. There's no good thing that the world out there can give to calm a troubled heart. Sit still. Just sit still. 
I think it was when I read, what is it? Something in a switchblade. Cross and switchblade. I should have remembered that. I think it was then, and I, I was in a counseling ministry where we were dealing with drug addicts and all, that they would have to sometimes just sit on, maybe it wasn't there, maybe someplace else, where they had to literally sit on hands, sit on, sit on people's arms, hold their arms, hold their legs down to just hold them still. Because they were flailing so. I've had to have nurses do it for me when my body was wrecked with African disease and they couldn't even give me a shot because I was coughing and my body was flailing. Gentle Uganda doctor, tall lady doctor in an emergency room. found four people to hold me down and just in the quietest voice, can you just hold her still so I can put medicine in her? If you're gonna be involved with people who've given themselves over, you have to have people that really get involved. Not everybody can do that. Their strength is to sit still. But obviously they didn't, so God said, now go and write it. Write it in front of them. Take a tablet and write it right in front of them. Put it in a notebook. Note it in a book. That it may be for the time to come forever and ever. In other words, he was writing for today. He's writing for me to preach the message. He's writing for you to take the word. I know you came to have fun in church. This is fun. When you get to the end of the story. Write it in the book. Because somebody has to identify rebellion by name for it to be cured. I had been deathly ill traversing between nations for three, three and a half weeks. When I, when I finally was someplace where I could talk to my own doctor and he said, oh, across 10,000 or 12,000 miles, Sil, you are sick. I want you in a hospital tonight. Can it wait until the morning? No, it cannot wait. This is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. And now we're in the second stage of rebellion, which is voluntary deception. They say to the seers, those are the prophets, people who see truly, they say to the seers, say, see not. They say to the prophets, prophesy not. Don't prophesy to me. Prophesy not unto us right things. Prophesy unto us 
speak unto us smooth things. And then they actually say, prophesy deceits. Tell me that what I'm doing is okay. Tell me that what I'm doing is right. They want the prophets to do that. They want the church to do that. And if not, you know what they'll do to the church. And then they say to the prophets, get out of my way. Turn aside. Get out of my way. Let me go. Rebels say it to parents. My little, what's his name? Pete. Missy, don't worry about me. I know what I'm doing. Get out of my way. I still weep. But when they say to the prophets, don't prophesy right things. Prophesy unto us smooth things and then go so far as to say, prophesy deceits. We want you to say, and this is what the world is trying to get our church to do today. Prophesy the thing that is deceiving people into thinking that what they're doing is right. But now, now it goes further. It goes further. They say to the prophets, get out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. You get out of my way. What's the next one? Cause the Holy One of Israel, who is that? That's Jehovah, the covenant God, the Father of Jesus, who sent his Son. Tell them, tell him to cease from going before us. I don't want God to lead me. I don't want God to make the way for me. I don't want to go the right way. So tell God to get out of my way. Now we're at the therefore. Here's the result. Therefore thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because you despise, devalue, reject, count it to have no worth to you, you despise this word, and you are choosing to trust. In what words? Oppression, another word for that is fraud. You're choosing to trust in fraud, you're choosing to trust a person who is a fraud. You're choosing to trust an idea that is a fraud, looks like something that's true, and it's nothing but a trick to snare you and destroy you so that Egypt can profit, but you'll lose everything valuable.
You choose to trust in oppression and perverseness? Is there anything perverted going on? Pervert means the vert part from Latin. Vert and verse always mean to turn. And per means thoroughly, all the way through. So perverted means it is totally turned inside out, upside down, backward, forward, where you're seeing exactly the opposite of truth. Are you going to forgive me for being so serious this morning? Is it okay? It's all right. You don't have to ask me back. Okay. I'm the one that lost sleep. All for the good word. That this is going to be a house that understands rebellion enough that you won't lie to people. That you won't leave them in their deception. That you will believe that in this place is a call upon the God of redemption to be true to them and bring people to truth where they can actually be turned around and go the way of redemption. So here it is. Because you despise this word, you trust in fraud and perversity, and you stay there. You stay upon it. You put your weight upon it. You trust in it. Therefore, here's the first therefore. This iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall. It's the picture of a wall, a stone wall, or a brick wall that has a crack in it, or the stones are starting to slip. And the, and the wall, the picture here, is of a wall that's starting to bow, and it's not yet broken. But if something doesn't change, one day there's going to be a big crash a break, a breach, ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall whose breaking, are you reading? Are you in your Bibles? Comes what? When? Suddenly. So things can go on a long time and, well, there's no danger, there's no danger. And all of a sudden everything breaks. So breaking is the result of the deception that was a chosen deception, and now there's a breaking, and this is how far the breaking goes. The breaking comes suddenly at an instant, and he shall break it as the breaking of the potter's vessel. All right, so take a piece of pottery now and just throw it down, and it shatters into pieces, and the word says, it's broken in pieces, he shall not spare, so that there shall not be found in the bursting of it one sherd, that's one piece, that you could pick up a coal from the hearth and carry it over to start a fire in another place. You can't even find a piece that big, or you won't have a part of that vessel that you could pick up even a cup full of water out of the pit. There's nothing left. 
and he shall break it as the potter's vessel. Wait, 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 wait. It's not the end. Jehovah says, thus saith the Lord. That's the mighty God. The Holy One of Israel. In returning, just turn around. Just turn around. Come to me, come to me. In returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And this is the beginning of the third stage, which I've already given you. If you would have turned around at that point, salvation. But you would not. Now, one of the most important parts of the whole thing is the importance of the human will. Whosoever will may come. It's not God's will for you to be destroyed. It's not God's willingness for any to perish. Do you believe that? God is not willing. It's not his will for any to perish. It's just he's not willing for them to take their rebellion into heaven there was already one rebellion in heaven. Never going to be another one. So you're checked at the gate. And if you're in rebellion, you're not going into heaven. If you want to sin, you're not going into heaven. You're not going to corrupt the heavenly city. But you said, what? No. For we will flee upon horses. We're going to speed away. I already read this, so go to verse 18. And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be what? Gracious unto you. Say it with me, grace at the end of the way. Grace at the end of the way. The waiting Savior, the waiting God, the Redeemer, who wants to buy back everything that was lost, Accept what was destructive to you. Here's one of my little quips. One of my Sylvia says, when God says, I will restore, he means good as before and so much more. Say it with me. When God says, I will restore, he means good as before and so much more. He doesn't say, watch it now, watch it. He doesn't say, same as before. Same as before didn't work. Good as before, but so much more. All new beginnings. All new beginnings. May not be the same relationship. May be the same relationship, but an entirely different relationship. May not be the same anything, but it'll be better than before because it'll have new foundations. And from here, I'm not going to take you, but I would ask you to read the next couple of chapters because you're going to find in this every one of those stages of rebellion 
has its counterpoint in redemption. I'll just do a couple more verses. For the people that dwell in Zion at Jerusalem, thou shalt weep no more. And those are the ones that watched destruction come. Thou shalt weep no more. And then he says, he will be very gracious unto you at the voice of your cry. You're learning to cry out to God now. You're learning not to turn a deaf ear when God speaks. And when you cry, he'll hear your cry. Now watch how, how sincerely he works with you. When he shall hear it, he will answer you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, which is the new, it's the new discipline in your life. It's a new discipline. You're learning a new diet. Now, it was a prisoner's diet when you were in prison. Now it's a discipline of the Lord where you're learning to get a new appetite. And so you may have to go through some discipline that God puts in your life and some affliction to your flesh so that you'd say no to the things that destroy and say yes to the things that will build you up. It's a new discipline Yet shall not your teachers be removed into a corner anymore. Why were they removed into a corner? It's because you pushed them away. When he walked out of my office that morning, I just stood there by myself. Don't worry about me, Miss Evans. Oh, Miss E, don't worry about me. I know what I'm doing. And eventually I was removed into a corner where I had no access to his life. It's quite possible that his brother is listening this morning. Pain for those who lose the rebels. Only the comfort of God can heal, but he will. But this is so wonderful that when God hears the voice of your cry, when he shall hear it, he will answer you. And though he puts affliction into your life, he puts adversity into your life to discipline your flesh, Yet your teachers will come. You'll be able to be taught. You'll want to learn. And your eyes shall see your teachers. You'll stay close to them. And you'll see who they are. And then he says, and now here's divine guidance at its highest. You shall hear a word where? Behind you saying, this is the way. Keep walking in it. Behind you. Thou shalt hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk you in it. When you turn to the left hand, or is it the right hand first? When you turn to the right hand, or when you turn to the left. Now it's on down 
There's a whole list from there through chapter 33 of all the benefits and blessings that are going to come to the one being redeemed. So let me just talk to you about that hearing a voice behind you. I learned about it when the Lord brought that verse to me with a diagram on the wall in front of me. I was graduating from college. I was trying to get to Africa, which is the only place I ever intended to be for the rest of my life. Wanted to be. But I couldn't go at that time because of what was happening in Africa. So I was looking for a teacher's position. And I had, I had about 30 resumes out, and it had come down to two. And I had to make a decision by the next morning and give these two principals who were vying for me. There weren't many combination English and Latin teachers at the time. And, and I had to make a decision, I thought, between those two. And I said, Lord, how am I going to know? This has this, and this has this. Neither one really has the setup that I really want. But how do I know? And he, and he drew a diagram in, in front of me, on the wall in front of me, that was as though I were on a path going this way, and I were coming to a T in the road. And every time I come to the end of a road where they have that arrow that's going both ways, I remember this, you know. Which, which way am I going, left or right? You got to do one or t'other. You know, it's, it, 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 you got to do something, I thought. And I heard this verse, and I didn't even know I knew it. I mean, I honestly didn't even know I knew this verse. You know who knows it? All right, here's what Sylvia says. Holy Spirit never forgets anything he ever said or caused to be written. Holy Spirit never forgets anything God ever said, never forgets anything Jesus ever said, never forgets anything a prophet ever said, and never forgets anything you ever said either. He'll bring it back to you. And he knows where it is on the page in your Bible. But in case you don't have your Bible with you, he still knows it and draws a diagram on the wall and talks to you about it. You shall hear a voice where? Behind you. This is the ultimate divine guidance. And he caused me to know that because I was so dependent upon him, that when I got to the point of decision, I would make the right decision and he would confirm it. What I didn't know is that when I got to my mailbox that night after working in the cafeteria, came back with two of my friends, we all opened up our mailboxes and I found a little piece of paper this big folded over from Mal Wolseley, Dean of Women, Sylvia. Dr. Teisinger at Houghton Academy would like you to call him. I was at Houghton College. Houghton Academy was a high school. And I knew it. I just knew it. He's going to ask me to teach at Houghton Academy. And I folded up the paper and I wouldn't show my friends. I didn't tell them. I walked them to the room, came back down and called. Why? Has anybody here ever been to Houghton? How big is the town? 
we still don't even have a red light <laughs> because there's no perpendicular, okay? There's no four-way intersection. There's a caution light. And Houghton College and Houghton Wesleyan Church are the town. And so after four years being in that tiny little town, what is everybody thinking? Let's get out of this little town. And I knew my friends would laugh at me if I was going to stay in Houghton for another year. I just knew they'd laugh. Oh, somebody's going to be in Houghton the rest of her life. Well, I wanted to be out in the bush in Africa, so it was okay with me. When I called him, my major professor had highly recommended he'd like me to meet with me. And, and he said, when could I meet with you? I said, it probably needs to be pretty soon because I have to have an answer by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Can you meet with me at 9, he said. And he started down the list. The subject lineup, exactly what I had wanted. I had just cried over my last track meet and he needed a coach for his girls, track. We had had our last basketball game. I cried of my last basketball game. He needed a girls coach. It was intramural, just a local high school. He needed, and everything that I was doing, on my resume, he had a place for me. It was like stepping over into it. And then it came to this. He said, have you ever thought of being a dean of women? I said, I haven't, but Ma Woolsey thinks I should. And he said, well, how would you like to try it? And I said, what do you mean? He said, we need a house mother for the girls' dormitory. I said, what does that involve? <laughs> and I saw pillow fights and boys at the windows in the night and all of those things. He said, he said well, it would add another $400 to your salary. Oh, what does that matter? because I thought I wouldn't get more than $2,000. So I told God, if it comes anywhere near $3,500, it's 1962, folks, okay? 1962. If he comes anywhere near $3,500, maybe I'll start to begin to consider. And he had started off by saying, I'm sure you're interested in knowing your salary. And I said to myself, not really, but well, starting salary is 3100 Now he's offering me 400 I started out as a math major. This was not hard. We just hit 3500 But I'm telling you, when I left there, made the phone calls to the other principals, and they kept calling me and raising the salary, which for your information was 5800 in those days in New York State. I'm old. But when I, when I walked, I didn't walk across the campus. I left there, I skipped. And it was as though Jesus was skipping behind me, saying, this is the way, keep walking in it. This is the way, keep walking in it. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to do something with this message. I don't know what. I want you to check your own heart if there's any rebellion anywhere in it. Go next. Is there any rebellion in your family, in anyone you love, you care for? Are you counseling or responsible for 
giving guidance to anyone where you see any rebellion. Let's move into a moment of offering ourselves to care, to never give up, to pray, to love past your own pain, to speak when you have opportunity to speak, to be quiet when it's wisdom to be quiet, to do what you can. But let's reach right now to the Redeemer. Reach to the Redeemer. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Pastors, would you come and stand with me, please? I've never done anything like this before. Do you hear this? Does this strike a place in your own heart? May I give it to you? Like Moses being handed to the princess and then being given back to the mother, I, I can't, I don't believe that I can carry this by myself, so I'm not looking for a princess of Egypt. I'm looking for pastors. Is this brand new to you? Couldn't possibly be for him to upset me as much as he did. So I can give it to you. And you can take it. And you'll know where to go. All right, then together, let's turn to these folks. Because this is bigger than you are. This is bigger than you are. I hope that it'll start happening and a, and a new dimension right away. But what I'm seeing is long-term. It's bigger. It's wider. I'm, I'm quaking on the inside. I have, I, have, I have needles in my hands that are consistent with what I experience with the anointing. So I believe there's an anointing to be passed here today. And it's, it's not mine. I'm not taking it home with me. I got to leave it here. Do you have a wife? Isn't she part of the pastoral team? Do you have a wife here? She stepped out. All right. When she comes back, may I pray for you? I'm undone. I'm, I'm so undone with this. 
name of Jesus, the Redeemer, the one who paid the ultimate price for every rebel on earth. May the spirit of the Christ come richly upon you, into you, Overtake your hearts in a way you've never experienced before. Impart to you wisdom, understanding, clarity of mission and commission to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and who shall do it with you. I lay my hands upon you now. because you're going to be a gatekeeper. Urama bre koresende breka rindo kripa prebanti krese. There are gatekeepers who open the gate for someone to come in. More important are the gate gatekeepers who know when it's time to open the gate to let somebody go, to go out. There's a sensitivity that God's going to give to you to know when somebody's ready for release. It's not just release from a program. Because all, all the programs that I know of that are really wise don't have locks on the doors. If people want to leave, they leave. Drug addicts or whatever. Except some of our prisons need to have gatekeepers who keep the gates locked for the sake of society or whatever. But there's a, there's a timing element. There's a maturing of purpose that you're going to grow in. You're going to mature in your understanding so that you will help to interpret the timing of the stages, the stages of re redemption. And I'll, I'll print out for you the stages of redemption and restoration. I'll leave it with you, okay? You can study those. But to interpret when they're ready to move into the next stage, when they're moving into the next stage of redemption, when you see this maturing, when you see this discipline is effective, that you carry, you're a sentinel. You're a sentinel. Study what that word means and what the duties of a sentinel are. And you'll be standing at the gate to know whether to open it or not open it and in a release into a new stage. God grant that there's a great company with you. I believe that I'm seeing facilities 
of a different nature. Whether they're being added on this property or some part of this building is being transformed, I believe that I'm seeing facilities of a different nature that would suggest a continuity of care. That can be an awful burden. <laughs> but I believe there's going to be a staying, a keeping, a watching over. And I won't be surprised if there comes a time when it's not only for adults, supposed adults, but you're going to come down the line it's bigger than you are. It's bigger than this congregation can handle. It has to move into another dimension of a nonprofit. It will be teenagers. And sadly, it will have to encompass children. And eventually, because God's going to grace you with his restoring grace, there's going to be reconciliation taking place where people can be trusted with their own family, their own children, can be entrusted to not be dangerous to people they're supposed to protect. Holy Spirit, come, would everybody, would everybody who is receiving this and believe that this is the word of the Lord, Will you show it in some way that you're going, to, you're going to pray today, right now, with us for how the Lord's going to work it out? Would you stand? Would you lift your hands? Would you do something that says, I'm believing God for his purpose? Okay, this isn't Sylvia's. If you're ready to participate, will you come to the altar and offer yourself to be one of the posts? This is voluntary. Pastors turn and see because they're coming to stand with you. It doesn't mean you have to be a counselor. You don't have to be a parole officer just means in your heart you're going to believe, you're going to stand with, you're going to support, you're going to give, you're going to do. It's going to change things around here. Now I'm going to ask a confession before we pray. We'll see how 
Let's see how honest we all are. How many of us have ever felt any rebellion? <laughs> all right, put your hand down. How many are grateful that nobody gave up on you and that Jesus didn't give up on you? How many love surrender much better now? <laughs> Don't you love hearing the voice behind you saying, this is the way, and you're walking in a right way? And that's what, make you, that's what will make you willing to invest in others. So therefore, in the name of Jesus, would you extend your hands, pastors, over your own people? Just turn around and look. They're stretched all the way over. Don't fall off. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, we extend the hand of favor, the hand of blessing, the hand of grace to you to give you everything that you need as you extend your hand toward your pastors to release the blessing of the Lord, the favor of God, the grace of God, grace is God's great enabler to give everything that is needed. We receive it. So everybody just open to the grace of God. I receive your grace. I receive your blessing. I receive your favor for the purpose of fulfilling your own heart's desire, your own vision, your commission to us in this place. Now, I want to see two hands, everybody two hands. This is the way it works. There's the hand of mercy. It's the left hand. Interesting that in Latin, the word for the left hand is sinister. Sinister. The left hand, all you left-handed people, you're redeemed. Don't worry about it. But the left hand had to do with darkness and the occult and all of that. That's what it was considered. So it was sinister, sinister. The right hand is dexter in Latin, from which we get dexterity. That is ease of doing. That's where you're gifted. You're gifted in that area. Now here's the way it works in the kingdom. The hand of mercy stays the hand of judgment that I do deserve because I've not done well, I've not done right. The hand of mercy stays the hand of judgment, stops the process of judgment that I do deserve. And the hand of grace extends the favor to give the blessing I don't deserve. Take the two. Do it with me. The hand of mercy stays the hand of judgment that I do deserve because I've not done right. But the hand of grace extends the hand of favor to give the blessing that I don't deserve. Over here, I deserve judgment. Over here, I don't deserve. Now, put the two together. This is the way God works with a human who's a rebel. As soon as that person says, yes, 
judgment is stopped right there. You still may have to go to prison in the legal system, but it's amazing how God works in the legal system to get people who say yes to God. So this, the hand of judgment is the hand of God to judge. And he stays the hand of judgment, sets in order and in motion all the blessings of everything it will take to enable that person to walk in victory. I'm finished. <laughs> Are you? That's <laughs> yours. We do. <laughs> yeah, just pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the word of the word of life that you've brought today. Lord, we just ask you to just grow it in our heart. Let it bear much fruit for your glory, for your kingdom. And that all, Lord, that have heard your word this morning, just turn their lives upside down, inside out, and turn them in the direction you would have us going, that we will hear the voice behind us saying this is the way. So, Lord, we thank you. We give you the glory for all that was done today, but also what is going to be done in the future because we obey, because we submit ourselves to you, that your name is going to be glorified and will be glorified. And we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.